Hey, what's happening, guys? Well, I wanted to sit down and record a short podcast all about my 2019 bear season. Um, man, hunting bears public land is just so fun. Uh, it's, you know, you spend a lot of time in the mountains, and I describe it as 99% boredom and 1% thrilling excitement. And maybe that's not quite the ratio, but they're really tough to find, and you spend you know, a lot of time looking for them and in the mountains and in hiking, which is part of the, the reason I like it. And then when you see them, you just get a, a rush of that adrenaline or that, that rush of excitement that you're looking for and then getting to make a play. Um, you guys know, you know, I'm, I love getting close to things and especially, you know, when you throw in a little bit of dangerous game, they're like the entry level to dangerous game. And so getting close it is so exciting to me and then having to make a good shot. So um, just a great season, um, saw a bunch, chased a bunch. And so we'll get right into it. But I just want to I want to thank our sponsors for Eastman's Elevated. Um, they're the ones that help me bring you all this free content. Um, we only have companies sponsor the podcast that I truly believe in and the products that I truly use. Um, so I just want to thank those guys. And I also want to thank you guys for um you know, looking at their products when you're in the market for, for whatever it is, whether it's a, you know, camo or a bow, um, you know, just great companies that make great gear, but you know, you guys supporting them shows the weight of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, also just want to thank Eastman's for everything they do. Um, they just give me, you know, total freedom, uh, um, it, artistic freedom on the podcast to to do whatever I think is right and put out the podcast that I like um you know they just do a lot for the podcast a uh, great company they have um the magazines have just been a huge resource to me over the years um you know I still enjoy each and every magazine but it's really what's helped me learn like all these different states and units and it it's just such a, a research tool that MRS section. Um, it, it's just such an asset for, for Western hunters that, you know, want to explore whether that's in their own state or to other Western states. Um, and, and then the staff articles, um, such great staff articles that, you know, walk the walk, but also talk the talk. Wait, <laughs> I said that backwards. Talk the talk, but also walk the walk. Um, you know, Dan Picard is just a killer. Just great staff articles too really talking about next level hunting information, you know, the stuff that's really going to help you in today's day and age. And, um, you know, some of them are outside the box. And um, I, I just think we do a really good job getting really good content out to you guys. Um, so yeah, I just want to thank Eastman's for all their support, the magazine and everything. We still have our promo code um, elevated 319 text that to 22828. It'll get you a subscription to both magazines 2999. And uh, you'll also get the 2018 uh, compiled MRS book. It's like a coffee table book with a bunch of really nice pictures and all the information from all the Western states in 2018. So check out that promo code. And uh, with that, let's get into it. Um, so yeah, 2019 bear season. Um, what a riot. Uh, it was just a great season. Uh, able to travel some and then hunt around here in my home valley um, explore new spots, uh, you know, go to the, the old standbys too. Um, what a great season. So I just ended the season. Um, I spent the last three days hunting with a buddy and, um, gosh, I think we saw like eight in those three days. It was pretty good. Uh, but the, the big ones can be tough to find. Um, and, and it's, you know, once you see enough of them, you're able to kind of tell the smalls and the mediums and the, the larges and, um, 
And they're just, uh, like I say, it's so fun to be out on a vantage point in the springtime and be seeing the deer and the elk and then just knowing you're in the right spot, knowing you're going to see one and then spending the time there and then seeing one walk out, you know, and, and being able to watch him. Um, so fun. So I, I started the season, um, you know, down in one of my, my standby spots or one of the spots that I've hunted for years. And it's a low elevation spot. And uh, it was good down there. Saw some bears. Uh, I made a big go across the river for a big jet black down there. Um, I got there. Dan said we were in the same scope. Um, you know, he could see me and the bear in the same scope or in the same frame, but um, I never did see the bear. I tried to make an approach on him, had to adapt my approach when I got down there. Uh, it looked like the moon when I was standing on it. Why does country just look so different from, you know, uh, a vantage point that sits, you know, across and facing than when you're on the on the spot? Man, oh man, I looked at it and it looked pretty easy and then I got in there and it was just so thick with willows and um, there's a bunch of big granite cliffs in there and just gnarly country, but I made an approach, made a play on that bear, didn't get on him, um, let's see, sat there and saw a couple one night, went down and I just judged them up and I could just tell they weren't quite what I was looking for. I could tell they were both boars, but um, they were just smaller and um, so I aborted mission and, and went back up and grabbed it another night, went for another jet black, just in the perfect spot. I know I could have killed that bear and got down there and went to blow up my raft. And, uh, the seam was all blown out on my wrap. I didn't notice it for like 30 minutes. I got sweat just pouring down my face and I'm trying to pump up this raft and I just can't get it pumped up. And I've just crossed the river like a week ago. So I know I can get the raft pumped up in about 15 minutes, 30 minutes of just sweating and just going for it. And the raft's just barely filling up. And finally I look down and there's a seam busted in my little pool raft. Oh, I was so bummed. Just no way to make it across. I got to get one of those pack rafts. I really got to step up and get one of those things. Um, it, it'd be so nice, just a lightweight raft that you can count on. But anyways, blew out a seam, had to just walk back up the hillside. So lost 2000 to go down there and cross and, and then go up the other side. But, you know, I couldn't cross or go up the other side. So I just had to walk my 2000 back up. And uh, I look back over and that bear is sitting in the same spot in the same bottom of the draw, good wind, like, oh man, it would have been a gimme. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's what it is when you're using a pool wrap, but yeah, just fun. And then getting out to some other spots, did some traveling out to, uh, Western Mon Montana. Um, gosh, there's, there's just, um, there's spots throughout Montana that can be good and drainages and, and, uh, even east of me and, um, north of me they have some really good bear hunting up there so just kind of traveling around um looking at new spots uh saw a handful of bears other spots are lower elevation than i am here and so they tend to green up sooner and the bears seem to be on it sooner so it you know early spots and traveling for me can can be you know conducive to find them i've got that one early spot but it turns off and once it's off you don't see another one in there so um started traveling around saw a handful um got a stock one night I think that was another big jet black um really nice bear uh made a play on him with a buddy and uh that one didn't work out um so many times you see these bears and they're so far off and it's like you never get an easy chance on some on these bears like every once in a while i'll still hunt into one but usually it's a small one or something but Every time you see a bear, it's it's like two, three miles across the biggest drainage 
planet Earth gain a bunch, lose a bunch. They're in the rocks. They're in the cliffs. Like, it's always so gnarly. The stocks are always just like, well, I guess I'm going to get home at two in the morning, you know, and you just, you got to go for it. So you see the one you want and you go for it. And so many times they're just not there when you get there. They're so hard to catch up to. They're the ghosts of the forest. And so like you get over there to a spot where you just saw this giant boar and it may take you an hour to get there, hour and a half sometimes. And you know, of course they're not still out in the meadow, or usually they're not, and, um, you know, that's why you like to catch them coming out in the evening, and coming out in the evening where you can kind of gauge them and go, man, I think they're going to be out for two hours, I think I can get there, so you're constantly doing the math in your head, how long is it going to take me to get there, how long is that bear going to be out feeding, and then, you know, what I... My favorite situation is like keep an eye on the bear as you're rolling over there, but it's just not always, um, the, you know, it's not always what you're given. You got to play the hand you're dealt. And uh, so anyways, uh, you know, I think I had four stocks on bears that none of them were there when I got there before I got the stock on the the final one that I ended up getting. But um, so, yeah, it's just the game we play. And uh, so many times they're not there when you're there. You know, I had like this weekend hunt with a buddy. We made two stocks on bears. Um, one, we were in bow range, and he, he just couldn't get a shot. The bear wouldn't stop walking through the sage. You know, you think you just got to get into range, but then these things never stop moving either. I mean, I guess everyone's different, but a lot of times they just won't stop moving, and so you just can't get a steady shot on them. And so this that was the case with this one, moving through the sage. The other stock we made over there had a good wind. And um, the bear was in the meadow. Didn't take us long to get there. We were maybe 20 minutes away from there, I'd say, maybe 25. And he had just come out, and so we went for him, got over there, and um, snuck up on the meadow. And there was just a lot of times I like to get a vantage point on where that bear is feeding or on his meadow with a good wind, and then watch it, and then wait and wait till he comes back out or hang out and see if I can see him, and then make a play down on him. And so, like, get a really close vantage point. It's what I end up doing a lot of times. Um, but this bear expected it to still be there. There was no good vantage point on it and got over there, snuck over the meadow, didn't see him, glassing in the timber, just trying to spot him, nice chocolate. And, um, God, he like came down the tree. He was like in a tree on the edge of the meadow. So I'm not even sure what happened on that one. I mean, so bears can smell seven times what a bloodhound can seven times and a bloodhound, what amazes me or the most amazing statistic or fact about a bloodhound is like, um, so, you know, if a kid gets kidnapped and they throw him in the car and that car drives off for a hundred miles or for however many miles, 10 miles, like the, the human scent coming out of the vents of that car, a bloodhound can track that down days later, track down where that car drove with human scent coming out the vents. That's just crazy to me. And, and a bear can smell seven times what a bloodhound can. Um, so bears are telling time as they're walking through the forest. They're smelling trails and can smell deer that walk by and how long ago they walk by. They get a whiff of, uh, uh, you know, a dead winter kill or something, you know, from miles away. They can tell where it's coming from. And um, it, it must be so wild to be tapped into that, that to, you know, to have that sense um, that sense of smell like they do, like us humans, like, you know, we can smell a bad fart. That's like, that's about it. You know, like they, you just, we just can't smell much, you know, we definitely can't tell time with our noses, but seven times what a bloodhound, my point to this is, is that bears, 
it's all wind. Like, and if you think you got busted, like a lot of times bears will just walk off and you didn't get busted. But even with a good wind, that wind just shifts it all or just stops or takes a break or swirls. Like that bear catches anything. Like he's going to wind you. You know, it doesn't take very many scent particles coming off your body for that thing to wind you. And when you're hunting the mountains, you know, winds just blow around, you know. So wind is so important. And like I found that out hunting with my buddy Dan. Uh, after I tagged out, I hunted with Dan. I don't know. We clocked a few days, saw some really nice bears, saw um, one of the, the biggest bears I've ever seen, just a giant chocolate. And Dan had that thing in bow range. That wasn't a case of the win. We had just a perfect win. But uh, he was in range of this chocolate. We snuck up on it in the meadow and kind of used the rise of the meadow and then crouched down. We were hiding behind the hillside. Just, it looked like a Volkswagen bus. He had that old face to those bears that are like 12, 15 years old. And then just a belly dragger, but so big. Like for Montana, like one of the biggest ones I've seen, like I'm sure he went seven foot. I'm sure he had a 20 inch skull, just like an absolute monster. And we were inside, we crawled into, we got into 70 and this bear was right there broadside and he was working down the hill kind of at us. And he came in like all the way to 57 may have been a shot there, but Dan was just patient, just waiting for the right angle, right shot on this bear. He's just feeding in front of us. And then he works down to our right and just starts walking out of the meadow and walks into 50 yards and just never stops and then stops at, at 53, you know, and, and looks over at us and, and then catches us because he's walked down the hill. We're no longer hiding behind the crest of the hill. And now this bear can see me and Dan sitting there, you know, and Dan, you know, maybe should have tried to get drawn from 57 to 53, but it was almost like the bear was going to catch you and he was just feeding. And Dan played it perfect. You play it patient. You, you know, you, you, you don't show your hand, you don't like force it. You just let that bear feed and he'd been feeding there for an hour. Um, but he just wandered off and kept walking and Dan didn't get the shot. But, you know, we did have some cases where the, the wind would just swirl. We had a, a jet black that same night. It was another good bore around six foot or so. Um, Went and made a play, had that thing at 70 yards feeding towards us. Really good wind. Actually, the same wind we were playing on that big boar with, you know. But it, it must have just been in the basin over the trees, and we must have just got a little swirl, and that, that bear was feeding in front of us for three, four minutes, but then just caught a little bit of our wind and um, started getting out of there. And we actually kept with that bear for about a mile, and uh, Dan had him at 66 down through the timber there, but just not a good shot or a good angle. Bears' vitals are a third the size of a whitetail. And um, so that's part of the challenge is you want to get close on these things and just put a perfect shot on them. Um, you know, you don't want to have a wounded bear, and it bears are so tough. If you don't hit them right, you don't get them, you know, or you don't have a good chance of getting them. It's got to be lungs, heart, or liver, so you got to just execute a perfect shot. But So I had a good season, hunted with Dan a little bit. We got another stock. What we got stock on a... Oh, yeah, we got a stock on a blondie about shot, another chocolate. Uh, the blondie about shot we had in bow range, um, same deal, just no shot in the limbs and stuff, just waiting, being patiently. Um, I can blame this one on Dan. He won't mind it, but he stepped on a stick trying to get around and get an angle on that bear and crack, and that, that bear's head popped up and looked over at us, you know, and then just sat there, you know, just dead still, and then all of a sudden it spooked off. So they'll spook to noises too. 
So, um, really fun animal to, to bow hunt, though. It is so thrilling to go get close like that. And and I tell you guys on my bear podcast, you know, you should start hunting them with rifles. You know, you just, um, you, you see more of them. You can capitalize on opportunities. You know, I, nothing against their, they're fun to hunt no matter which weapon you're using. But with a bow, it just, um, it's so exciting to me. I love getting close and in range of those things. So, the night uh, that I found uh, my bear, see, I went out for a hunt. I had, I got off work just a touch early, um, or maybe it was a weekend day, but I got out there and I was out, like I'd say by two o'clock or so, and um, rode my bike way back into this drainage that I'd been dying to go see. I thought the timing was about right on it, and uh, rode out and then hiked down to the vantage point, sat on the vantage point, and um, gosh, I didn't see anything. I sat there for four hours or three hours and uh, really picked it apart. I didn't see anything moving. The grass looked good. Cover looked good. Everything looked right. I just didn't catch any. And sometimes that's the way it is. And in that same vantage point this last weekend, I saw three from that same vantage point. So sometimes it's just timing or moving through. And I always say bears every day is different. The bear you saw yesterday, you know, might not be there today. Sometimes you find them living in a spot. I mean, they break all the rules, so it's hard to say what they do, you know, in this instance is what they do always. But, um, you know, a lot of times you see a bear you don't see in the next day. They just move on. So I went out to this vantage point, um, just got blankoed out there. I didn't see anything. And so I uh, rode my bike back and uh, really wanted to get into this drainage that's one of my favorites. And so I could ride back. And uh, then I hike, you know, a couple miles out to the vantage point and um, look off this vantage point and start looking over this draw. And it's one of those deals where, um, you know, you can see probably four or five features back there. And uh, the first one I look at is the closest one down below me. And I just put up my binos and instantly I could see some blonde through the trees. And I thought, oh, I think that's a bear. And uh, he walked out. I could tell he was a boar, had a big front end, uh, heavy legs. Um, you know, nice head on him. I could tell he was a mature one, you know, wasn't a, a super giant, but I could tell, like, I have a minimum on bears. And usually like if they're five and a half foot or bigger, 17, 18 inch skull, like for me with a bow and arrow, it's something that I absolutely incite with. I love the bear meat. Um, you know, and so that's what I'm looking for out in the woods. I'm looking for one that I can positively identify as a boar. And I've been lucky. I've shot all boars through my bow hunting career. Not that, you know, shooting a sow is a bad thing. Your population control and you're you're trying to help. They kill so many fawns, these bears do in the springtime. And there's so many elk fawns, antelope fawns, deer fawns on the deck. And I've seen a black bear with a cow elk, um, uh, a calf, sorry, I don't know why I keep trying to call it a fawn, a cow calf in its mouth in the timber and eating it. And they re recently did this study where they radio collared bears and they recorded, this was on caribou herds, but how many caribou they killed. And throughout the calving season, it was like a two month period, like 60 days. And um, they were killing, no, it was 45 days and they were averaging like 38 calves to those 45 days. And then there were some that that had a calf a day and some even as many as 60 in that 45 day period. So, you know, those things are just walking around stumbling upon those calves that are hiding in the grass and getting them. So I'm not saying shooting a sow is a, is a bad thing. Um, you know, it's population control, but I'm really out there to shoot the mature boars. Um, so like I say, in Montana, we don't, we don't have a lot of giant seven footers or anything. They can get big. We got good genetics. We got good color phase, but a five and a half footer, you know, um, 17, 18 inch skull, 
man, I'm psyched with that. I'm going for it. So I see this bear, evaluate him. He's a good one. And I dive off the vantage point. I talk about how important the wind is with these bears, but, um, you know, it is a higher understanding of the wind. And, and I know I've talked about this, but just to explain it with bears make me so much better at that facet of my game, at understanding the winds and the mountains. It's so important on bears. It's everything. And so when you're going on a stock, like you check the wind where you're at, but the wind is always doing something different, like at the animal you're, you're going for. And so you have to adapt on the fly. But I think a lot of times it's like reading that wind and, and what it's doing, um, and having a higher understanding of it and knowing that when you get over there, it's going to be pulling down that draw to the left and down the hillside because you're in the evening, the thermals have changed, the directionals aren't going to catch it down there. And so like, I know sitting on the vantage point, like the wind feels wrong, but once I get down in there, I I know what the wind's going to do. And sure enough, get down in there and, you know, you're checking the wind as you go monitoring it. And once you get on that hillside, but, but just kind of knowing what it's going and not getting halfway in my stock and doing my wind checker and the wind's blowing at him and I go, oh, no, I can't do a stock. Like as the years go on and I get better at this game, like I've figured out how the thermals and directionals blow through the mountains and I'm able to, you know, then like like do a, a diagram in my head of how the wind should be pulling over those things. So, um Anyways, I, I go down, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the wind's going to change, and so I get over there, it does, it's pulling down the hill, and I sneak up, and I, I'm sneaking up to where I last saw this blonde bear, and this was a, I caught him in a good spot, and he was down below me, I could keep an eye on him most of the way down, and then once I lost elevation, took tabs on his meadow, went down, and I made my approach, and it's just so silent, it's just through the grass, you know, just like, um, you know, six inch to a foot of just that neon green grass but everything's wet and and it's quiet and so I sneak off sneak up take off my pack stick my pistol in and uh you know my knife in my pocket and good to go I'm gonna go up light with no pack on and I start sneaking up there and I just can't see him like he's over a roll of a hill and he's gonna be close when I get there but it's it's like the only it's the only approach I have with the wind I have is to keep going and then come up over that hillside and catch him. And so I just slip up and slip up and can't see him and can't see him. And then all of a sudden I see him and he's right there and he's feeding in front of me. And again, I'm just crouched like under this rise, this rise in the hillside where he can't really see me. And I don't expose my whole body and everything over it. Like I'm just exposed, like just the top of my hat and my eyes are just looking through the grass at him. And I get a range. He's 32, 33 yards, just super close to him. And and I drew in the first 30 seconds of him being there. He, he went broadside. I drew, started settling my pin, and then he turned back towards me. But his head was down feeding, and so I let down, didn't see it, and I just hid behind the, you know, the rise of the hill. It's just one of those deals, again, where you're so close to bears— you know, a lot of times just any little gust of wind, any little change, you know, and can blow up your your scenario you got going. And so I'm, I'm just hoping this wind's going to hold. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's like it holds. It holds for five minutes. And I'm just like, if this wind holds, I'll kill this bear. And he just keeps feeding at me and feeding at me. He, feed, he fed maybe five, six yards at me. And so he's maybe 26 yards, 28 yards, something like that. 
and uh, turns broadside again. And so I draw back, head down feeding, doesn't know I'm there, settle my pin, execute a perfect shot. I mean, just put it right where I was aiming, behind the shoulder. It hit the offside shoulder, so it didn't pass through. It just stuck in them. And every time I shoot a bear with my bow, then you go... Oh, now what? Like, the whole scenario explodes on you, and this bear starts roaring and and biting back at the arrow and spinning circles, and so I pull my pistol out, and I start backing up, and I'm holding my pistol with one hand, and then I set my bow down, I thought, I'm going to get two hands on my pistol, two hands on my pistol, and start start backing down and I am right downhill where this bear wants to go and it's just a funnel right at me like the country funnels them right to me and so this bear isn't trying to attack me this bear is trying to escape and go make this this death run you know I mean I'm 26 yards from it it doesn't take long to get to me so I start backing down the hill with my hand both hands on my pistol and this this bear runs right down on my spot and like then I I have to defend my position because he's running right down at me and so I start throwing lead up there and I start shooting and it's it's the wild west I've got dirt flying the bear's still coming and uh finally I I hit him and put a good shot in him and man at that point like the adrenaline is rushing you know and I dumped him and he kind of tries to get back up and you know I'm able to finish him off there but oh my gosh things happen quick like that thing just came at my position no time to think or anything and just start firing and um so I did fire nine times. I hit that bear twice, uh, grazed him once. Uh, I never looked at my sights once. I never even looked at my front sight. I never looked at anything. You know, I, I practiced so much with my bow and that pistol. It's just a good shooter. It's a Glock 10 mil. It's a good shooter. It carries 15 in it. Um, and it's accurate as all get out. You can roll a pop can down the road, but you get a bear charging at you like you're watching that bear and you're shuffling your feet backwards, trying not to trip over your feet as you're firing shots off. Like I did not do a good job. So I need to get a, a better shot process with my pistol and practice. In fact, I went down and bought two boxes of shells today. I'm going to start shooting that thing religiously because I rely on it in grizzly country and black bear hunting. You know, that is that is that's what saves me and keeps me safe and brings me back to hunt another day, especially when you're getting in close solo hunt like this. But, yeah, he came down at me. It was pretty exciting. Um, Got him down, you know, made the shot, threw enough lead his way that eventually it hit. But I do need to practice and get better. But, yeah, just super stoked like this bear. I. I don't even know if I mentioned this, but, um, so blonde, like the, and I see probably 15 to 20% blonde, but I don't see the bigger, more mature boars that are blonde. And so this is a blonde boar, beautiful hide on him, long hair, pumpkin head, um, just a great boar, about as big as I thought. I think he's over five and a half foot, um, five, eight, five, ten, somewhere in there. Um, just a great boar, super stoked. Um, killed him with my bow, finished him with the pistol. But to me, you know, it, it's all just about the adventure and the thrill and the excitement. I'm just glad I hit him with the pistol. Like, uh, you know, I'm I'm not too um, snobby with like it had to be a bow to be a bow killer mean something to me. Um, so, yeah, it's just awesome. Um, took some pictures, um, boned him out, took it and the hideout, started raining on me in the middle of the night, got home at three in the morning, you know, it's a, just um, a death hike up and out of that canyon and back to the truck, but just how I like it, tough. Um, just such a fun hunt, such a fun bear season. Uh, if you guys don't, you got to get out in the spring, Montana or Idaho, and just explore around, get walking around. Um, it just takes like that 
that lull, uh, you know, fall is when all the action happens, and then there's a long off-season, and to fill that off-season with something like spring bear hunting just makes me so happy. I just, um, I love getting the days and chasing around, and I'm so fortunate where I can go out evenings and weekends, and um, it's just a great time of year for me, and, and a great time of year for everyone. So yeah, if you haven't tried it, you got to get out bear hunting, whether it's with your rifle or with your bow. It's an absolute riot. And, um, yeah, it just helps to control their population. So, all right, I better end this one. I'm, uh, I'm approaching 28 minutes on my 15 minute podcast. So, uh, thanks you guys for all the support. I really appreciate it. I'll check in with you soon.